Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. My name is Vry. I'm an editor and contributor at Anime Feminist. You can find the stuff I do all over the internet by going to my Twitter at writer Vry, or you can find the other podcast I co-host at TrashPod. And joining me for this second to last Evangelion watch along uh, are once again D, Lizzie, and Isaac. Hi, uh, I'm Dee. I'm the managing editor at Annie Femme. Uh, you can find all my writings on my blog, The Josie Next Door. You can also hang out with me on Twitter, at Josie Next Door. And I'm, as before, still Isaac here. Um, everything else is the same as in the last few episodes. Former associate features editor at Crunchyroll, semi-retired anime blogger. Um, I'm not giving my Twitter this time, because that way you can't hunt me down for my bad Ava opinions. <laughs> <laughs> That was smart. I should have done that. <laughs> okay. Hey, my name is Lizzie. You might know me as that nerdy Bolivianet. You can find all my stuff on my website, that nerdy You can follow me on Twitter at Lizzie Visitante. Uh, yeah, and support me if you can, or you can hate me after this episode, whatever. This is all very good news. We're off to a great it's start. Perfect. <laughs> now, before we go any further, we watched episodes 21 through 26 of the TV, so that's through the TV ending. Uh, fun note, the Netflix version only includes the director's cuts of episodes 21 through 24, so the versions you saw are actually ones that were tweaked later with a couple of scenes added in, like uh, the scene of, Mis- of Asuka and Kaji on the hill, for example, or the uh, scene of Masato spying on Kaoru, uh, a lot of uh, the the scene in, you know, Antarctica at the very beginning of 21. There was anything that looked a little bit better animated and more put together was probably stuff that was added in later, basically. So you, in fact, actually got a slightly altered uh, experience than somebody watching the original TV edit. Don't you feel special? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I think that means I've seen both versions now. If the if ADV's original VHSs didn't have that stuff on them, they released. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they put out the director's cuts after the fact, and the the original was uh, the TV. Yeah, I mean was the TV cuts of those episodes. That would probably make sense. So, because some of those scenes didn't. I mean, it's been years, so but some of those scenes did feel new. So that would be why. Cool. All right. Now, in addition to that. We finally have gotten through the entirety of the plot, more or less, and because Ava decided to be as obtuse as possible for fun and profit, I thought it might be helpful for everyone in the room and at home if I did a little bit of story time. I actually spent a long time thinking about this for uh, an article I did on IGN, which I'll go ahead and throw into the show notes, Uh, but in basic... Here is kind of the background of what's going on with the conspiracy plot in Evangelion. So once upon a time, there was this maybe alien uh, civilization called the First Ancestral Race, and they created a being called Adam. And then they all died out, and they left Adam behind in Antarctica, which the Katsuragi ex- uh, the Katsuragi expedition dug up and started experimenting on. Meanwhile. Uh, from from Adam, they created Ava, and in attempting to get those things together in a first contact, that creates the explosion known as Second Impact. And, but it's covered up and called a meteor, and nobody knows. Then they set up Nerve on the bones of this older conspiracy project. They bury everybody who was involved the first time around. It's all very mysterious. 
in the process of making the second round of Evangelions, uh, including Unit 0, Unit 1, and Unit 2, you may have noticed that all of the potential candidates for Ava pilots don't have mothers. Well, there's a fun reason for that. It's because the Evangelion uh, project was actually headed up by Yui Ikari, not Gendo, although Gendo was always kind of a shithead. So on the day they started performing trials on Evangelion Unit 1, Yui disappeared and her body was never recovered because her soul was merged in with the robot. Asuka's mother was merged with Unit 2, but it didn't entirely take, so her body didn't die. She was just left in a fractured, dissociating form until eventually she took her own life. And that's why there's all the womb imagery and everybody sees their mom inside of the Ava. Meanwhile, the plan behind all this fucking around with Avas and Adam is because the secret group Sele is a death cult. They think that humanity is failed. Humanity is actually descended not from Adam and the first ancestral race, but the thing that caused first impact, another thing that crashed to Earth called Lilith. And that's where all humanity came from. And so Sele's belief is that humanity done fucked up. We sort of usurped this planet from its rightful owners. And the only thing to be done is liquidize humanity down into nothing, into a singular consciousness, and basically hit the reset button. To that end, they're using the Avas to try and draw down the angels, inducing its rapid evolution, and then eventually leading to instrumentality, which is the process that goops everybody all down together. But on the other side of things, Yui and Gendo had a secret plan, which was behind the creation of the Avas. Yui's plan was basically that because she's in Unit 1, humanity would basically go into the Ava as a kind of arc, and everybody would hang out there and get the benefits from instrumentality and have a big group therapy session, which is what you see in episodes 25 and 26, and we'd all become better people and better as a species, but we'd still retain our individuality and be able to emerge afterwards out of the soup and kind of have a second chance. And that is the basic conspiracy plot of Evangelion. How do you feel? Hate it. <laughs> that's it cool. that's where the ending theme song starts <laughs> so, uh, all right. i mean i guess right. it's more or less it's it's more or less i guess i tracked that with like i didn't i don't think i pulled in quite all of the details but more or less i think i understood that while watching so good for the show oh, that's i guess good. that's good i mean because i didn't the first time i watched it i mean i i feel like the plot is needlessly complicated for no apparent reason i mean i kind of get where it was going but i feel like i don't know it's just like why i mean yeah humanity is a mess but that's a lot to go out of your way to do all of that just so we can have a second chance and I don't know, have a shared consciousness and somehow we'll come out as better people once we all have a big giant group therapy session, which is oh, okay. I, I see that. But I'm also like, that's a lot to want the entire world to go through on <laughs> a shared conscious basis. I mean, Ava is both metaphorically doused in the sort of bleak understanding of a bottomed out depression and also the apocalypse mindset of 90s anime which was obsessed with 1999 so there was very much a sense of we have no other options and we're rapidly approaching the break that kind of informs how the series came to be what it is 
But I what I don't want to get into talking about the ending just yet. We kind of uh there's a lot. There's a lot in these last couple episodes. Uh, but because each one is sort of about a different set of characters, I think this time around, it's going to make the most sense if we take it episode by episode. So let's start with episode 21, aka Yui is critically underappreciated. How dare you not all appreciate that she is actually the secret mastermind. I'm including you writers. When you were watching this for the first time, did it... I guess, how did you feel to to finally have this huge back dump of information about Shinji's parents and about Fuyutsuki and Ritsuko and her mother and Misato? And they're like, there's a lot of stuff here. Hmm, this, I think for me, it was like, fi- it was more like finally we're getting the background to what is the show all about because up until now, we've they've just been hinting what the plot is, who, who the hell is Nerve. And uh, Seal, what a funny name. But, you know, so it was nice getting to know everyone, seeing that she, Yui was really, yeah, the mastermind to all of this. But also, you know, but also like um, Professor Fuyutsuki, he was like, his relationship with her was a little creepy. He was like, I'm like, okay, I think you like her, but you're like her grandpa. (laughs) So calm down. But, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's like, there are smart there are smart women in this show, but in this stretch, I just really hate how all of them are treated. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like with Litsko's mom's, like it's like she was, I guess, okay with sleeping with Gendo, but you know, then he calls her, her like all, an old hag behind her back. It's just I don't know. It just goes into this whole thing about how oh shit, women cannot have positions of power because they'll women be crazy and emotional in the end it's like okay (laughs) there is no single plot twist i hate more in this series than the revelation that ritsuko is sleeping with gendo it makes me mad every time that was so disgusting i was like oh what what happened to her and then you know how women be when they have complicated relationships with their mom so they try to fuck the dude she was sleeping with that happens all the time. That's psychology. I think uh, I think Ava is trying to do a thing with Ritsko and her mom, and kind of especially the way Ritsko kind of uh, they contrast each other in terms of Misato is uh, I mean obviously very capable and smart and uh, certainly able to think rationally and logically, but that's she's more driven kind of by compassion and curiosity and wanting to help other people and their relationships with Shinji and how they treat him when he's in uh, the Ava are very indicative of that whereas Ritsuko's very or at least she acts very aloof and cold and always talks about you know what's what's the most logical benefit for this exact moment you know let's put human emotion aside kind of thing and I think Ava is trying to do a thing about how everybody has human emotions and connections with one another um, and if you try to deny those it goes a lot worse for you than if you attempt to grapple with them because nobody in this show is okay but Ritsuko is much less okay than Misato I think in a lot of ways and so I think it's trying to do a thing with that the problem is Ava also can't seem to conceive of a relationship outside of familial ones, and even then, that isn't somehow tied into sex and romance. And so it ends up looking like, look at these crazy ladies all 
tied up in their romantic entanglements with these with these boys uh, and I think undercuts whatever it's whatever it maybe was trying to do there about um, especially you know in the last couple episodes where the characters kind of have to confront their feelings and towards each other and you know towards their their long dead relatives and their living relatives and everybody else it is pushing the characters to do that because in the end they will be better off for it but again it the show it it bums me out that the show doesn't seem to know how to how to talk about being driven by emotion without it inevitably turning to sex and romance with the one single exception of Shinji and Misato's relationship, which is like a shining light in the show at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think it extra bums me out with Ritsuko because I, I feel like the beats of her character revelation, like I, I really like the scene where she destroys the dummy plugs. Mm-hmm. All that imagery is so upsetting. And I feel like she, that could come to this moment of despair and like, fuck you and all of that at Gendo without it the 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 wrinkle of I hate her because he he's creepily into her because he made her as a clone of his dead wife oh my god like I feel like her anger there reads without that kind of gross gendered implication yeah she could absolutely and and he the fact that he turned her over to uh is it Sailite or Seal I've, no one knows. Well, the dub has six different interpretations. I have always heard Selai. Okay. Uh, when he basically turns her over to them for questioning, even though they wanted Ray, um, he gives them Ritsuko instead. Like, the two of them have been working together for a very long time. They do not have to have been sleeping together for that to feel like a terrible betrayal and for her to have her fuck you moment. Um, so it's, yeah, again, the series struggles to allow characters to just exist to have complicated intimate relationships with people that don't also involve them boning yeah and i mean a lot of so much of this show is there's sort of this inheritance theme and kind of what you bring through to yourself from your parents um that's a you know a major thing that happens with so many of these characters and it just feels like having having ritsuko basically just repeat what her mom did in a lot of ways just feels like I don't know it just it feels like the least interesting and compelling version of that version of that theme mm-hmm. yeah it's it's one of many things that that bummed me out about the fact that rebuild is ostensibly a remake but Ritsuko and all of the bridge characters essentially became non-entities when there's so much you could explore there and Ah well. Yeah, I mean the only I mean the only decent thing I have to say about it is like for the brief moment in in this episode, I did like the interaction that Litsko had with her mom in regards that at some point there was she was narrating the story and she was like writing her letters and stuff. I mean I know they had a complicated relationship. Whew, yeah. But but I did appreciate that they had a relationship and that her mom had regrets, right? That because of her work, she wasn't able to really be there all the time for Litsuko and whatnot. So I like that we have those quiet moments of her just contemplating about that, that, you know? And yeah, so it bummed me out that that was the last time, like when, like before, you know, before she, um, that was the last time they had a conversation together before she died in regards to like on the deck. So, 
I don't know. It just sucks that it had to play out that way. But that was the only shining light in episode 21 for a brief minute before everything else went to hell. <laughs> so yeah. I think the other thing that just doesn't work for me about like everybody being in love with Gendo is like Gendo sucks. <laughs> so I, I'm like, I'm profoundly unconvinced that uh, like, okay, I can sort of guess, like see it with the like, you know, I think uh, Ritsuko's mom, you know, you get a little like, okay, maybe she wants to do like crazy end of the world stuff too. So you can sort of see how her and Gendo might have like sort of hit it off. But like Yui or Ritsuko, you're like, but this, he's so bad. Why did they like him in the first place? Oh, that part is just like, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It That's doesn't one of my work. notes is just, why do people like Gendo? Yeah. yeah and like, even Fuyutsuki asked, Yui that question she's like why him I thought he was an ass from the moment I met him and she's like oh there's a hidden charm to him like where (laughs) it's like where even he acknowledges like yeah I'm unpleasant I'm so used to people not liking me that I just can't handle people liking me so I like people hating me I'm like hmm so this is okay so this explains everything about your relationship with your own son (laughs) so it's it's extra amusing in that like there are a lot of fans and indeed other tellings of the story because you know this franchise has 80 million spinoffs um that do try to recast gendo as oh he was he was this very different person before he lost his wife and that turned him into kind of this bitter uh angry like manipulative person no no, he's still a creep in this episode. He was just a charming guy who gets into bar fights before he lost his wife. Yeah. Uh, and just like that little scamp. As you know. I love the little touch that like Yui is conveniently not there the day before the explosion. And then somebody back home just conveniently makes it so that Gendo has is called away right before shit goes really bad. I love Yui. And this the show just does not know what to do with her character. Because, like, it feels like you're supposed to trace back through and see how important she really was, but the foreshadowing just isn't there. Yeah. I think the show, I think, honestly, I think the last, that the last six episode stretch we talked about last week that's kind of frustrating to watch at times. I think there are places in there where they were sort of marking time and they maybe should have been doing more with these other characters because we get to the end and they dump a lot on us. And then they kind of forget about them again, which we'll, we'll get to that point eventually. Boy, howdy. Yeah, speaking of, so after we get flashback go-go, episode 22 is, I think, the moment that uh, you, Isaac, you, and uh, Lizzie were waiting for, which is the big Asuka episode. Oh, yes. I was very happy with everything that happened in this episode. Uh-huh. I see. <laughs> I, I, had, <sighs> I, had, I, had, I had to sit with this, like... No, I was trying to just marathon it through to just say I finished it quickly, but this one hit me in a personal level, so I had to, like, after it was done, I had to, like, walk away from the series for a bit, because I was like, shit, so much of Atsuka, young Atsuka, is such a reminder of how I was as a teen. It's so, it was like, I, I did not want this show to call me out like this. <laughs> how dare you, Ava? <laughs> and she was just so relatable, and it was just so heartbreaking, to see like the oh, even though it was a really toxic way of having to cope with like um with her depression and her family situation at least that was her agency like protecting her emotions and her and her thoughts and for and for that to be violated in such a really visual way was so was awful this sure is the television show that uh, coined the phrase mind rape yeah 
yeah. I have, oh man, I have so I have so many unhappy feelings about all all I think so I think just to start off, I think the the biggest problem I have is that Asuka's basically been, you know, forgotten for many episodes to some degree coming up to this. Um and so when we when the show shifts back to her, especially after we've had this big flashback thing and like uh, obviously we've had uh, I'm pretty sure it's implied that Kaji dies, Ryoji dies at the end of episode 21, which we sort of just skipped over. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. A little Kaji's bit. Dead. Oh yeah. That happens. He, um, he does. Yeah. Uh, he sure did get shot by his girlfriend. Yep. Yep. But so then we come back to Asuka, Asuka, and we're trying to get into her headspace again so there's that there's that disconnect there and then yeah um the whole i guess i'm i guess i'm likewise not pleased that we had and because this happens in episode 23 too is basically we get three characters two characters for sure maybe a third who there's some sort of like rape imagery that goes along with that obviously Oscar's mm-hmm. very is very clear about it um then with Ray in the next episode you know you've kind of got those like tendril things like yeah. crawling up her body and they talk about um, it in terms of penetration yeah you're right yeah and then I don't Ritsko I sort of got the sense was like maybe I maybe I read this wrong but I almost got the sense like there's whether it's literally physical or some otherwise that Ritsko gets sort of like violated or raped somehow by Sele. Um, when Gendo sends her over just based on the fact she was naked there and then comes back in some of the expressions she makes. Um, but yeah, I guess... Uh, uh, someone else talk. I, I, I feel like I've talked a lot here and just a little, and I'll come back with more thoughts. Atsuka's uh, thought process or her when we get into her mind, it's just so... My heart breaks for her because like... I, I really understand where she's coming from in terms of like her reacting to her environment because you know like she because of what happened to her mom and everything like that and just her home life being so chaotic I mean it takes a lot for you for a young child to like tell themselves I'm not gonna cry anymore I'm gonna work hard I'm gonna be independent so I'm not gonna have to rely on anybody and but at the same time I want people to praise me because I'm doing such a good job and I'm needed right and for her to to make that decision at such a young age is like whew, that's that's a lot and that's a lot to deal with and she I know in this episode I think she was on her period as well I think they stated it where she she's like staring at the win- at like the mirror saying she's just talking about just frustrated being a girl and how she doesn't even want kids. Why is this happening to her? I was yeah. like, whew. Like, so much internalized, like, so much internalized misogyny there that, oh, my God. So, like, I just related to her so much in this, in that episode. Because I really, I got, I was in that place when I was a teen, right? Just being frustrated that no matter how hard you work, whatever, it won't be acknowledged the same way as, like, your dude counterparts. And at a young age, you know, if you don't want to be seen as weak or fragile or whatever shitty association is, like, attached to being a girl or a woman, you know, you have to try to toughen up. And that means you have to perform hyper-masculinity, right? So it was just a lot. And even though all of that is toxic and how she chose to, like, act out, 
like the, her barrier to protect from self protect herself from the world for for that only thing that she had in her control to be violated and raped <laughs> essentially it was just awful and then of course the next episode it's not really like a spoiler like well she's just so depressed like she's not eating anymore she's just in a tub naked somewhere in the city <laughs> it's like like she's she's just so defeated and it's like oh like i hate that the show took her i just hate that the show took away her agency and everything yes yep. that's what i was gonna say because i mean the show well i think what bothers me the most about it is okay obviously oscar needs a hug very badly but they're please hug Oscar. yeah and you know and nobody they you know they talk like you really can't just live alone like there are times when you're going to need help and it's okay to admit that and so obviously Asuka does need to work to a point where she's willing to be more open and vulnerable with others I was talking earlier about how characters who aren't as honest with themselves about the way they're feeling things tend to go a lot worse for them and I think we can see that with Asuka as she's very much about kind of denying those quote-unquote weaker uh, feelings inside of her uh, heavy air quotes on weaker because I don't actually think that. Um, but at the same time, there is something admirable, I think, about how determined she is to not just go with the flow and try to be your own person and try to take care of herself. And not only does the show break her down, because the show breaks everybody down, but it never builds her back up again. Yes. Yeah. It just forgets about her. And it's really, it's really infuriating by the end to see them take this character, who again is a mess, but is in in many ways, I think somebody who I think there's, I think there are admirable things about Asuka, and it rips those things away from her, and then never gives her anything in return. She never gets that hug. I'm just saying, Asuka never gets the hug she needs. I don't know why Misato won't hug Asuka. Yeah, and like, and it's frustrating to see that. She's not even surrounded by people where she can allow herself to be vulnerable, right? Like, and it takes a lot to admit that you need that help. And, you know, and by opening yourself up to whoever, you know, you leave yourself, there's a chance there that that person probably won't, like, take care of your emotions the way you need to be taken care of, right? And that will make it even worse. So, and of course, everyone in this show is, like, freaking, like, a mess, so... I don't blame her for wanting to open up to anyone. So it's tough. And then you lead to where she's at now. She like a complete breakdown. And that's tough. Like, like, especially if you don't have that support there to really build you back up again. I mean, I mean, no one aside from Seal or Nerve or whoever, they didn't look for her until for like seven days later. It's like, okay, you know. Yeah, and nobody I love really goes to check on her. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, even Shinji, I mean, I liked him for a bit in the stretch, but he doesn't even try to find her or anything like that. Misato, nobody. I was like, oh, gosh, damn, all of you. It's the adults I have the hardest time with, because, like, I mean, Shinji's going through his own crises, and he's 14, and I don't really expect him to be as willing to reach out as, um, I mean, it would be really good if he did, but I'm not super surprised he doesn't. The way Misato interacts with Shinji versus Asuka is really strange to me, and I don't know if it's, like, some part of Misato who just maybe sees herself in Asuka and figures, oh, she'll be fine, she'll work it out, but Misato really doesn't ever try to form a bond with Asuka uh, in the way that she does with Shinji, and Shinji kind of rejects her 
Um, that scene where she tries to just like hold his hand after Ray, they think Ray's dead, and Shinji just says, leave me alone, uh, is really hard to watch. But we never see that with Asuka, and it's, it's I don't know if it's a, a narrative flaw or if it's intended for the characters. I'm not quite sure what to do with that decision. I, I think it is just a thing that the narrative wasn't interested in, which is a shame, but I also think, you know, from a... Watsonian perspective, if you will. Uh, Asuka kind of has this problem where you see it with that phone scene, which I absolutely love, in, in that I mean it hurts me, that she's very good at, at she's very good at um, facile surface level socialization in a way that Shinji isn't. So Masato is able to recognize that Shinji is withdrawn and like have an immediate response to, I know how to fix this. Whereas with Asuka, you know, she has that one really sad moment where she just like is honest to Shinji without thinking about how, you know, she's talking to her mom, but it's not really like real stuff. And she doesn't actually hate her mother. She just, you know, and she like actually begins to open up for the second and then kind of catches herself and, and can't, and, and like shuts that down. Yeah. And then gets angry that Shinji tricked her into opening up. Like, no, these children. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a good point is Asuka does do a pretty good job of pretending to be okay most of the time. And so, and, and she gets angry if you try to, uh, dig at that and so I mean Misato also has her own stuff going on again she's an adult I wish she would have made a better effort of reaching out but I could see her going oh Oscar will be fine she's just kind of angry she's 14 whatever um yeah and there's the, the other thing I love in this stretch in that I mean that it hurts me is is the scene with Hikari who like mm-hmm. this poor child when your friend comes over like after an assault and has horrible PTSD and probably is suicidal and you don't know what to do mm-hmm. you just let her hang out in your room yeah, yeah. I thought Hikari's response there was was very real I thought and, and sweet in its own way like not not the help Asuka very clearly needs at that point but it was I think it was the best Hikari as one friend who's not involved in this could do. Because I don't remember exactly what she says. She's basically like, I can't tell you what to do, but I think you've been doing a good job. And that's about the only time anyone said that to Asuka. So. And then As- that's when Asuka kind of breaks down and actually has sort of an emotionally vulnerable moment in front of somebody because she starts crying. Um, it's a really nice scene. And it's sad that I guess Hikari's family moves away like everybody else after the explosion. Oh, with oh, oh, yeah. oh I didn't Well, yeah, that. she's de- very clearly suicidal. I guess yeah, that's why the bathwater is red. Yeah, she's the her clothes. There's the shot of her clothes folded neatly next to the tub, and the water's sort of red, and her her face looks pinched and drawn. Yeah, and it's yeah. It's like it right, yeah. So I think the fact that the show never comes back and builds her tries to build her up again. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm being too harsh, but in some ways it does feel like it is a violation of the core theme that it ends up on at the end, Mm -hmm. because it ends up with basically saying to Shinji, like, you need other people to, um, like, understand yourself and to get along along and through this world, and it never comes back to Asuka to offer the same thing for her. It just basically abandons her. And I know she gets some like interrogation time in episode 25 but uh, at least for me that what was there was not satisfying or near enough to actually um you know bring about the sort of um 
catharsis that I felt that her arc required. So, yeah, yeah overall, I'm uh, pretty down on the way the show treats Asuka in the end. Yeah. yeah, I think it's extremely shitty of the last two episodes to set us up in episode 25 where we're going to be bouncing between Shinji, Misato, and Asuka and kind of, again, sort of tears them all sort of down to this base level of interrogation where they're all a little bit broken. And then, then episode 26 starts and is like, we don't have time to deal with everybody else, so let's just focus on this kid. I'm like, that wasn't... No. That's shitty narrative. I'm sorry, if you're gonna... But it, it is. That's, it's shitty storytelling. If you're going to have these other arcs, then you need to do something with them. You can't just drop them because you're not interested anymore in the girls. And and it's, yeah. it's just... Fu- Hold on. Frustrating. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm just saying it's frustrating. Yeah. No, it is, and I want to let you guys rant about it, but I just don't want to skip over. We don't. I don't think we have to talk too much about Ray. I think her, the frustrations with her thing are kind of folded in with Asuka, but it doesn't. It's not as frustrating because they've just reset her, so it's not even really Ray by the end. So it's not as big a deal when you know we don't get her in the finale. But I really don't want to skip over episode twenty-four, y'all. No, 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 no. That's that's fair. That, but, just, oh. but, but just to touch on Ray for a little bit, it's extremely effed up that, like, how easily replaceable Ray's, Ray is, no matter what. Like, her body, if one Ray dies and her body and consciousness is moved to the next, right? And I'm like, wow, that is how expendable mm-hmm. she is. And mm-hmm. that imagery of seeing, like, her body parts in that soup, I was like, wow, that is a lot of violence to inflict on, like, her people like dolls that look like her you know mm-hmm. you know yeah i no go ahead it. that's all i want to say <laughs> i um yeah and the assault imagery like you mentioned earlier isaac is real upsetting and only really applies to the female characters mm, yeah. yeah i don't know what to do with that it's but the thinking I don't emoji like it. face <laughs> it, it, it fuss- on the whole thing just frustrates me because i think of like some of the shitty things I grew up hearing about how, like, like uh, little girls are much more mature than little boys. They ha- and like in a whole under. I remember I questioned my mom about this one day. Is because oh, th- from a young age you have to realize that you're gonna go through a lot more harsher things than the boy will, right? So therefore, we're gonna like. Therefore, you have responsibilities. And meanwhile, there's not that emphasis placed on, like, little boys, right? So, uh, it's just I think about from just that whole dynamic like the moment you break then that means like tough luck and i'm like oh fuck i hate that whole thing Mm. yeah this is by the way extra triple uh exhausting and angrifying to think about when you think about the legendary 20-year argument of but who is the more you know bonable waifu though ray or oscar nobody (laughs) neither of them they're children who need therapy all of them do uh yeah, I always have a hard time with Ray because her character is essentially, I mean, is in a lot of ways, I think, quite a bit younger than everybody else, and she's trying to move in sort of the same direction that Asuka is. Like, I think the, the doll imagery in their episodes is, is very well done and kind of potent and creates a connection between these two people who do not like each other very much because I think they see a little bit of each other's struggles they're just framed very differently where Asuka is more I think aware of I want to be my own person and think my own thoughts and Ray is more in this space of who exactly is me like it's a much more complicated um 
internal argument for her, whereas Asuka's, I think, is a little bit more external as far as, like, her actions and behavior with the world at large. Did that make any sense at all? No, yeah. Yes. Okay, because halfway through I went, this is nothing. Well, yeah, because Rey sort of almost has, like, when she's being assaulted by the angel, she almost has, like, a... um... Well, really, the fact, even the fact that she self-destructs is, like, a moment of, like, claiming her own, like, distinct personhood and identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, like like you say, then it it's sort of, like, it ends up being sort of a moot point because she goes back to the beginning. She's just an entirely new person again, and it's like, okay, well, so everything, all the work she just did um, psychologically there is now, like kind of thrown out the window and so I mean yeah I have personally have a tough time with Ray in general just because I've these kind of like quiet non-emotive characters um I just I just struggle with them um and and yeah so to feel like oh we got like her beyond that just kidding is yeah, yeah, yeah it's just yeah. well we kind of well that episode yeah, she was a gets- wash she gets broken down too like everybody else but at least with everybody else i could i can i guess with her i could fanfic my way into it working later on down the line that she she's okay but she is like functionally a different person right like she did not maintain a lot of if any of her memories like it's not clear what she remembers from her previous existence i do appreciate that she she felt angry this time around like specifically again though because before you know she didn't have much of an emotion but Mm -hmm. at least she was self-aware of what's happening and that that she's replaceable so i mean it's not i mean maybe i'm just chewing on nothing but like it was i appreciated seeing that anger when she was like holding his glasses and about to break it yeah i was like finally like something against this man yeah, it's it's a weirdly hopeful ending in its own way. And like and then they just there's no time to do anything with it. There's not even time to do anything with the fact that of like the parallels between her and Kaoru, who are both these clones made partially from human DNA and partially from from angel bits. Um where like and they both end up dying because they prioritize Shinji and the humanity he respects or represents over themselves no time to do anything with that they kind of lock eyes for a second yeah yeah Kamaru has one episode he does he has like 12 minutes of screen time yes he's so important and i love my son before before we really dive into him can i just say that please do akira ishida who is his voice actor Mm -hmm. in the japanese version i love him he's so good i love listening to him talk i was not expecting him and i was just you know kind of in raptures for a little while yeah this was kind of his big breakout role and think Mm. well if ava has done nothing else a notable role for him yeah hang on hang on i'm checking something what year did ava come out 96 oh my gosh really oh good damn that's far back I yeah, okay. Uh, Slayers was about the same time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Yeah, you're right. It all kind of happened concurrently, but, like, that was a big year for him. Yeah. 96 was a big year for him. Absolutely. But, yeah, he's that, that's all he's I wanted so to say about that. I just, mm-hmm. uh mm. No, I'm glad you gave him a shout out because, yeah, he, I, I, had, I sometimes forget he's Kaoru and then he came on and I recognized his voice right away. I was like, Ishida! It was fun. So, <laughs> I love it. But... Lizzie, you mentioned off mic that you had kind of 
heard about Kaoru existing because literally everybody has. He's kind of a big deal. And then he didn't come around until two episodes to the end, which I feel like is a very common experience for new viewers. So was it all you'd hoped for? <laughs> to be honest, yeah. I really liked him to the point that I wish he was in the series from the very beginnings. Like, he was such a well-written and kind of complicated character, and I love his interactions with Shinji and everyone around him, that it almost feels like such a waste that he was just in one episode. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. The manga gave us Carl. Okay. <laughs> I, I won't ask what that is, but yeah, like, I just I just love those two. Like, it was just also nice seeing Shinji just blushing like a buffling <laughs> child around him. I was like, aw, you have a crush on someone, and, I, and I'm here for it. And so, I would blush too if Akira Ishida was talking to me. He's worthy of his grace. <laughs> he is worthy. <laughs> yes. I, he is worthy of his grace, apparently. <laughs> but it was, I love those two. I want more. But but here it's... we are, just episode 24. Okay, so now I have to ask the dumb question that straight people have been arguing about pointlessly into the void forever. Did Kaoru really mean it when he said he loved Shinji? Hmm. Like, honestly, I think so, yeah. I mean, I, it's like, I wish I didn't have just one episode to base it on. But yeah, yeah like, his interactions with him were very, like, loving and genuine. I Like, I didn't feel there was any manipulation there unless I missed something. But yeah, like, I don't know. I felt his interactions with him were sincere, even down, like, to the body language, right? I was like, yeah... I'm like, yeah, there's something happening between the two of you and Shinji's reacting and I'm like loving it. Yeah, I think from for me, at least from Shinji to Kaoru is crystal clear. I don't think there's any missing that. The thing that complicates things with Kaoru for me is the fact that he's like this otherworldly being and has sort of this like almost reverent sort of respect for Shinji in a way, if that makes sense. Like, he just, yeah, just some of the ways that he talks about him, like, trigger these, like, okay, when he says he loves Shinji, not that he's worthy of his grace, um, you know, to, to some extent, I'm like, well, is, you know, is this, like, a personal thing, or is this, like, I love you because you recognize the, like, inherent humanity in other people, and I really think that's great as, like, another being, and that's, like, why humanity is, deserves to live, um, that's a, so yeah, that's a yeah. Lot there's for there's a in that in that one interaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's really yeah, and I just I just yeah I again sort of like Lizzie. I just feel there's not he need he needed more time and he should have been in there sooner. Even in you know bit roles or seeing you know something in their relationship building up to this because he's just kind of there and then he's gone in a flash. Mm-hmm. I don't think it matters because. Shinji believed it was real, and I think that's what's important to the story, because Kaoru's only here for 20 minutes. Uh, I agree with that. Kaoru as a character, like, again, uh, I fan fiction, probably you could do some pretty interesting things with him, um, but we get him for an episode. He says a lot of philosophical type stuff and drops some some plot nuggets, um, and then has these, has these two or three really... Um, important interactions for Shinji. Uh, so to me, Kaoru, like a lot of the characters here at the end, um, is more of a vehicle for Shinji than an actual person. Uh, in the concept, in the context of the narrative itself, 
And so whether or not he is saying these things as some kind of endgame manipulation of Shinji or whether he means them, I think it's ultimately moot because Shinji clearly thinks he means them and they mean a lot to Shinji. And so that, that has anybody timed how long we watch Shinji hold Kaoru in the Ava hand with the music playing I believe playing it is 60 seconds. Is it a solid, it's just a solid minute because it feels longer. <laughs> yeah, I think it is a solid minute. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it felt, yeah, I was like, for a second I thought there was something wrong with my browser, but no. <laughs> but no, it was, they literally, it was like a solid minute. And I was like, wow, you're really feeling the weight of what's about to happen. Also, the hallelujah music in like, in the stretch really throws me off, but yeah. It's a little jarring. But budget, budget, what's the budget? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I will say, you know, that moment I think is where I really felt like the show had lost me because it had started, it had started slipping away. I think with Asuka's episode and especially the fact that they never really came back to her mm-hmm. um, in a meaningful way. I had started to just kind of check out, and by the end there, and especially since I just. I mean, I'm getting. We're getting into a little into episode 25. But Shinji kind of talks about why he why he killed Kaoru, and I'm sorry, I was not convinced that I was more convinced that Shinji's feelings for Kaoru were like powerful and operative in those 12 minutes than I was about any sort of thing like Shinji, you know, being willing to kill him. And so, yeah, I I don't understand why. I understand why they say Shinji killed Kaoru, but like emotionally it doesn't work for me and yeah the uh, the yeah these episodes were um pretty rough for me and i yeah i basically at i i didn't care by the uh, at the end of 24 you know when we hear the like crunch sound i was like well i guess i don't care about this show anymore which was sad because i used to i knew what i used to care about which was the characters but i didn't feel like the show cared about them either yeah i I think again in in the moment and the uh, the sense of how difficult this is for Shinji and how quickly he made a connection with Kaoru, I think that's all very well done. But based on what we know of Shinji up to that point, for him to make that decision is very strange. Uh, it doesn't seem to quite gel with his character, especially because it's not like. Like, Toji was actively threatened, like, people, uh, not, I mean, it wasn't Toji, it was Toji's Eva, because Toji was unconscious inside of it at that point, um, but that, you know, that arc from last time when, uh, when the Eva gets taken over by the angel, and Shinji's refusing to kill him, even though, like, his people he knows are in clear and present danger, Ritsuko and Misato might be dead, they're not sure, because there was this big explosion, and Shinji's still unwilling to kill somebody, and so for that to, for him to make that for him to make a different decision at this point when all we've all we've seen is Kaoru goes after uh, uh, the the being in the basement who I guess it turns out is actually Lilith not Adam um but we don't know what that's going to do there's no I don't I don't to, like Shindy's not been told Jack so I'm not sure I think it's hard for me to understand the sense of the clear and present danger Shinji feels there. Because I do think there's, if Kaori were actively, like, threatening people Shinji cared about in that moment, like if he was in uh, central command, um, then I could see Shinji making that decision. But it's really hard to follow in that moment because it's so abstract exactly what's going to happen if Kaori touches this Lilith being. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, it, no, it does. I think it's sort of an extension of what we talked about in the last episode, which was the metaphor getting away from the plot where, you know, at, at in this moment, uh, you know, Kaoru represents for a depressed person the the desire to die versus the desire to keep living. And so Shinji, for better or worse, makes that choice at the end. And he really he really grapples with death and being in love with death if we want to be poetic and super fucking pretentious about it. Um, and he ultimately decides to keep living, which spurs us into the two endings. But... And then Masato has that kind of speech at the end where she's trying to reassure him that he wanted to die um, and he put you in that position. And so this isn't your fault. But I I think you're right. I don't think it necessarily follows with where he is at. Although you kind of, I think they're kind of trying to imply that it, it's a one or the other situation, which is essentially Gendo and Sele's, uh conflict at that point not that Shinji knows that is that Sele wants the angels to get in contact with Adam which they think is down in the basement and that will wipe out humanity and angels will become the dominant species whereas you know uh Gendo wants Rei to fuse with Lilith which will you know push humanity into its next evolution through instrumentality yeah so it's all of that is extremely clear and well outlined (laughs) yes uh uh-huh yeah it's also very easy to tell and I think I, I think the metaphor. I think that's a. I think that is a, a fascinating read and a and a fascinating way to tell that story. But I think if you're going to tell a story that's metaphor heavy, um, you all it stories that are metaphor heavy also need to be able to operate coherently on a literal level as well, because you are working with characters who have you know their own feelings and agency or should. Uh, and I think that it is, I think it is often a failure of metaphor. I think metaphorical storytelling that doesn't make that connection at the ground level, I think that is a failure of those types of stories. Um, and so the fact that, uh, you know, there's a, f- a few of us on this call, at least, who don't really track why Shinji made that decision. I mean, you now that you have explained the metaphor of Shinji is choosing to live, uh, I think that's a really, I think that's really uh fascinating like that's a great read on it um it irks me that there isn't a reading of it in the context of kawaru as a person not as a metaphor yeah no i 100 percent agree honestly um and i think that is the issue that and i'm actually going to go ahead and make a judgment call that we are 51 minutes into this call we aren't going to have time to talk about the ending we're just going to have to talk about the both endings in one episode so otherwise we're going to be here for two hours yeah um, <laughs> yeah but that's actually a smart idea because i think the movie is sort of retells episodes 25 and 26 as far as i'm aware but yeah yes and no um my personal read on it is in agreement with um this really nice video dan olson uh did which is the end of episode 24 essentially represents a fracturing point and in keeping with that whole alternate universe thing you see in episode 26, the movie and the TV series are two equally possible ways that Shinji could have gone. One that's reparative and one that's destructive. But not everybody reads it that way, so we can have a nice long talk about it. Oh dear. Um, and we saw the we saw the reparative. <laughs> we version. did. This was the happy oh, no. <laughs> version. Uh, just just to add, just a oh boy. Just a quick, just my quick thing on Shinji. 
like in this stretch of episodes, like the focus on him towards the end was so jarring because for a good while he was just sidelined, like you know just watching all everyone just fall apart around him, right? So yeah, I don't know. Like I think by the end of the series, you know, forgetting how the writers like chose to write him in those last two episodes, I still don't get. This, in- this intense hate towards this character. <laughs> so, oh, God, no, me neither. Yeah, I was just like, okay, for the most part, throughout the entirety of the show, he's there's focus on him, but he's not the sole character. So he's like, you know, it's not just his story. So And he's not all that bad. Oh, I'm going to get the, the intense fans to come after me as I say that. <laughs> you know, he's not all that bad of a kid. I'm like, it's like, you know... Yeah. No, I have I have sympathy for Shinji through the story. My my what gripes I have with the ending aren't about him as a character. It's about narrative choices that were made, like the fact that they set up an ensemble cast and then decided none of these other people matter. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think towards the end it's just like Ava just is I don't know, I think people think way too deeply on this show than it needs to be. <laughs> it's like it became pretentious towards the end for reasons. I mean I get why, but it's also like I don't care. <laughs> there are um, there are two things that I kind of want wanted to bring up that I guess will be food for next time. Uh, one is the fact that there are a couple of different stories as to why episode 26 turned out the way it did. One is that uh, Anno's scripts got rejected, and so that left them with a considerably shortened production time. Uh, one is the co-founder of Gynax being like Otto couldn't make up his damn mind as to what he wanted so he didn't have enough time and one is a story also told by uh, Okada Toshio Okada not Mario Okada uh, that (laughs) the cells for episode 26 uh, some of them were stolen so that is why a lot of the line work sequences are there oh I liked those okay I liked those a lot I actually liked the stylistic choices they made. Like, I mean, I know it obviously made things a little bit of a quicker production time, but I thought they worked really well for the way uh, the world was kind of Shinji's sense of self was sort of falling apart and then resolidified. Uh, I thought that was, I thought it was artistically done, even if it was maybe accidentally artistically done. Yeah, and um, his his final words on this were in a new type uh, interview. He well, not his final fucking. An interview that he did, uh, where he talked about, uh, so, finally, in the course of making Ava, I got where I got for a number of reasons I could never really explain. But as far as the original stories of episodes 25 and 26, I managed to finish episode 25 as far as the script was concerned. Unfortunately, I had to abandon episode 26 while it was still at a very early planning stage. I'm reworking the episodes 25 and 26 that will be sold on the Laserdisc and video next year, but as far as episode 26 goes, that'll be a complete revision so that it'll be more visual. I'll do it again by deconstructing the original plan. Episodes 25 and 26, as broadcast on TV, accurately reflect my mood at the time. I'm very satisfied. I regret nothing. <laughs> Which- <laughs> You know what? I cool. Th- valid. Good for you, Anno. Valid. Yeah. Honestly, I'm fifty percent on board with him. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, you know, all of that is super valid. I'm glad like he was able to find some catharsis through these last two episodes, but like D said, narratively speaking, it just didn't, it didn't hit the mark for me. So yeah. Oh, it's a hot mess, and I'm looking forward to discussing next time the issue of global 
global recovery versus individual recovery and the fact that this show knows suffering in many perspectives, but it really only knows how Anno got out of it. So if that doesn't work for you, you're kind of up shit creek with just some bad feels because this ending can be triggering. Ava gave me an existential crisis and then walked away. It just <laughs> walked away. <laughs> I like if episode 22 was any bit of a warning for me, then I'm already here. So let's just do it. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, wait. Um, yes. Can I say one, just one last thing before we end um, on the, Please do. the worthy of my, of my grace thing or your grace. That like oh yeah broke my brain a little bit because like when I was younger my parents used to like play a lot of like contemporary Christian music like in the car and stuff and that specific phrasing is like sounds like it was lifted straight out of like a contemporary Christian music song so like I have just you know like I think like you would probably hear it saying like oh like he is worthy of my praise or something like that and so as soon as that hit the hit my subtitles I was like you know like oh this is not the reference point I was expecting to have here. So, Kawaru is an yeah. angel. So, yeah, there you go. There well, oh my works. gosh. The proof. So the Netflix producers got it right. Or the translators <laughs> <Yeah>. did. <laughs> when the translator was explaining his, certainly it was a decision with regards to that line, he mentioned uh, wanting to keep the ambiguity of it. But uh, I think it was Anthony Oliveira uh, at Mia Koopa, whose thread I might include if i can track it back up pointed out that in the english language love is a very ambiguous word like you were saying before isaac like shinji clearly sees it as love he wants to see like his own kind of crush returned but like kaoru is an angel does he mean i love you as a person does he mean i love the idea of you does he mean i love you like humanity in as, general like, yeah uh-huh <laughs> and then it got sad again wasn't that gonna be our 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 cat tagline for this one sorry uh i can sing something you are worthy of my praise (laughs) (laughs) and then it got sad Uh, and you know what's even sadder is there have been eight billion evangelion spinoffs i've read about 80 percent of them and kaoru dies in all of them oh fuck it then somebody had canon a good ending for kaoru already come on please Please. there are so many i'm sure there's fanfics but you know an official fanfic Yes. Why can't he run to school with toast in his mouth? It's right? not fair. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. It's unfair is what it is. It is. All right. Well, next time look forward to our double barrel ending extravaganza <laughs> where we're going to look at episodes 25 and 26 of the TV series and redo episodes 25 and 26 also known as the end of Evangelion. That will be fun, listeners, and you're all going to continue to be nice and polite to our new watchers. Joy. Good job. And agree with our opinions. <laughs> yeah, there won't be there won't uh, be controversy whatsoever. I don't know about that. You don't have to agree with our opinions. That's okay. But in the meantime, if you liked this episode, you can find more uh, of the podcast on SoundCloud by looking for Chatty AF, or you can go to our website, www.animefeminist.com, where we have also additional content in print. And if you really liked this episode, why not consider giving us a buck on Patreon? Every little bit really helps bring us new content on the page and in your earbuds. If you want, you can also get hold of us on social media. We are on Facebook at Anime Femme. We're on Tumblr at Anime Feminist. And we are on Twitter at Anime Feminist. And remember, until next time, it's okay to like yourself. <laughs>